all the time. Lord, but now we're together in this house. Lord, let our, our collective hearts and our thoughts and our, our passion for you be ignited once again. Father, the days are short that we have on this earth. I know and I believe and we are in agreement, Jesus, that you are coming again soon. And Father, let our lives reflect what you've done for us daily. Let our lives, let the world know us for who we are. And that is, we are sons and daughters of the Most High. We thank you for this word today. Bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to start a, this will be a short series, known, understanding our identity in Christ. I, I like this thought of, what is the theme of your life? You know, if, you, if your life right now was a book, no matter how long you've been, some of your books would be a little bit thicker than others. <laughs> but what would the theme, what would you be known for? What would people say about you? And this came to my, th- my mind, my thought as I was talking to my wife today and, and about several people in my life. When I hear their name, I instantly think of certain things. How many know that about people? You hear their name, and a lot of times a thought might come to your head. I hope it's a good thought. But uh, I, was, I was talking to her, and she was, matter, matter of fact, talking about her dad, Pastor Fry. And the first thought that comes to my head when I hear about Pastor Fry, he is known as a man of prayer. That's it. When you ask people about her dad, they'll say, he's a man of prayer. End of story. He's known, he's identified. The theme of his life is I give my life to God. God, I will pray and serve you. And so I want you to think about that question this morning. What are you known for? What is the theme of your life? And as we go through the word today, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just speak to you. I want to share with you just quickly. Last night I was in the church and uh, I was on the foyer, matter of fact. Have you ever had a God encounter that's kind of like a collision with the unexpected. It's, it's when you, when all of a sudden you just, something happens or a thought or a song or a scripture and you just have this encounter with God. I call it the, a collision with the unexpected. Um, and, and last night, here I am, I'm in the foyer and I'm just moving some stuff and cleaning some stuff and doing things here at the church. And, and for some reason, I just... God just overwhelmed me and just, I had this God encounter. And I don't tell you this for any other reason that I, I want our church to experience it. And I want you to understand that how many know, he is in this place. He's in your life because he's in us. And so where we go, God goes. And I, and I had this, a God encounter last night that kind of shaped and reshaped my message a little bit, but understanding our identity in Christ, who we are, you know, uh, we're going to be reading here, and I'm going to give you the scripture out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, a beautiful portion of scripture. If you have a Bible this morning, I encourage you to go there. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I had lunch this week, as many of you had lunch, right? I mean, I had lunch more than once. <laughs> but I was having lunch uh, in, in Ohio. Some of you probably cringe a little bit. I'm, I'm sad to say that. But I know Michigan fans. But I did have lunch in Ohio with these brothers, and, and, and we were at this restaurant, and our, our waiter was asking about, he, we saw, he saw us pray, and I don't know why he was curious. And uh, he, he asked us about our church, and we said, well, we're from several churches. We're, we're not just from one church here. 
And we said that we have all types of people that come to our services. We have all types. And we have, we have young, we have old, we have all different uh, nationalities. All of our churches represented. But uh, we were in agreement with our waiter. He was asking what kind of church we are. And we said we are a spirit-led church. Amen. How many, your life should be a spirit-led life. Amen. And uh, he said, he said, that's interesting. He said, my church that I go to is very traditional. Um, he said, it's not exactly what I would call spirit-filled. It's, it's uh, traditional. He said, he said, I'm very intrigued by w- your church. And I thought to myself, at that very moment, he had an encounter. How I many know, right then and there, as he, his, the, the Holy Spirit grabbed him, got into his house, got into his heart, and intrigued him. And I thought, God, I'm thankful for a church that we are not just a traditional go through the motions, but Lord, we are spirit-led. Amen? I want to be known in this area, Harvest Land Church. God, let it be known. Let we, we prophesy, we declare right now that Harvest Land will be known as a place that the Spirit moves and the Spirit has His way. Amen? That's who we are. Lord, and if that's what we want, then it starts in our own personal life. Because if, if only 2% or 5% of the church are being led by the Spirit, it won't have the movement but that it needs. But I'm believing that as a church that God is going to move in our lives and you're going to have a God encounter this week. God encounter and move in us. Move in us. See, the thing is, here's the thing. A life, there's a lot of life that is very black and white. There are some things that are just very obvious, right? The Holy Spirit will give you that discernment. And you'll know immediately it's very black and white. Matter of fact, I think some of the stuff we just saw in that video that, that he was talking about, it's very obvious. Some things like, I can't go there. I can't look at that, right? It's very black and white. But there are some things that are in the gray zone, if you will. And it's, it's in this gray zone that I believe sometimes people get swiped away they get this, 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 uh, they get carried away. And it's kind of like what Paul said to Timothy. Paul said, we've come into an age of seduction. How many believe that we've come into an age? Not only have we come there, we are living in an age of seduction and we have to be known. We have to know that our identity is in Christ alone. That, that's, that's my purpose. That's what I'm known for. That's who I am. And Paul warned Timothy about this. Let me say this. We need spiritual discernment like never before. Amen? We need spiritual discernment. It's, it's, it's one thing when we're in Bible study or we're here in the house of God together. But how many know it's a whole other thing when you're alone and you have that moment and you have that decision to make? God, we need spiritual discernment in our lives. You know, there, there have been, I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, I wish my wife's not here today, but there have been many times where my dear wife, and, and she's got a lot of discernment, she has that discerning spirit, and, 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 and I've learned as a good husband, all, all the guys can say amen to this, I, I listen to my wife. Amen, guys? How about ladies, amen? I think, they, I think we can do better than that. Amen, ladies? You want your husbands to say yes to you? Yes. So Heather will say to me, she'll say, babe, I think I need to be with you in that meeting. <laughs> I, 
I think I need to be with you when you talk to that person because something in her spirit will discern, right? She'll say, I need to be with you in that, in that, in that time. And there's a discerning spirit and I, and I, I'll listen to her and, and, and she'll go with me because the Holy Spirit will discern. And there's something that we've known. And, and so God will just do this to you when, when years ago, there was a couple that came into my ministry, uh, in Pennsylvania and, I, I was in need of helpers. Uh, and I think sometimes when we say we need helpers and volunteers, it's very easy just to, just to say yes to the first person that comes in and says, I'll volunteer. Well, I, our youth ministry was in a season of growth, so I needed some volunteers. And there was a, a new couple that came, and they were, seemed very nice, and they might have been okay. But how many know there's, there's times when the Holy Spirit would just put a, a, a red flag in your stomach? And, and, I, and I didn't see it as much as my wife and my mother-in-law, but they, they, were, they were telling me, they, they said, you need to be very careful with these individuals. You need to ask the Spirit to give you discernment in this area. And, and, but I, I went forward with it a little bit. I said, I'll be careful, I'll be cautious. And so there were several people that said, you need to be very careful I have a discernment about this. And just a long story short... They began to invite teens into their house, some of my own teens without me knowing. They started having services in their house, and they started teaching false doctrine in the house. And some of my kids were coming to me, and, 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 and so this became a bigger issue. And finally, one time I was preaching, and in the middle of my Wednesday night sermon, they stood up, and they started praying louder, as loud as they could. Louder, I had the mic, but they were just as loud. And they were like basically saying the opposite things that I was in the middle of my message. And to jump to the end of the story, let me just say they were out of the building in about five minutes. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I began to realize that, the, that the, the Holy Spirit was giving us some, some precursors, right? Some warning signs ahead of time. And I believe that we need to be always walking in that place in the Word of God. Because as we are in the Word of God, He will give us some, 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 some warnings, amen? Some discernment about some things that he knows that he wants us to know that we need to walk in. There's this gut feeling that the Holy Spirit will give us, and it's not suspicion. It's not uh, just a gut feeling, but it's the Holy Spirit warning us. And see, because how many know the enemy wants to take our identity? He wants to change. He's, he's been trying to change the identity of the church, but... I have news for you. He can't come against the power of the Almighty God. It, it, it's when we it's when we start living in this in this lukewarm zone and we forget who who we live for and we forget what our identity is that we give the enemy a, a foot into the door. So we're going to go to Second Timothy chapter three, and this is a, this is a wild chapter. You know, I, I think this is a wild chapter. Chapter it talks about the last days. It's in retrospect to Matthew chapter 24 uh, uh, that talks about the last days. Matthew chapter 24 talks more about a ecological uh, event, you know, things like earthquakes and, and warning signs and things like that. Um, and that's the perspective there, famines. But it also says, don't let anyone deceive you. 
And so 2 Timothy chapter 3 tells us from a sociological point of view. Let me, let me just go there. People in the last days will be like this, like this. Verse 1, Paul speaking to Timothy, he said, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. When I, when I saw that video, I thought about that young man who said that people were you know, saying terrible things about him online. And, and I just thought about how this verse relates to him. They will slander and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will, verse 5, they will act religious, but they will reject the power. Come on, let's say that with me. They will reject the power. We cannot ever think God can't still do what he says he'll do. Amen. God, let your power reign in our life. Stay away from people. Like that. Wow. Now drop down to verse 12. It says, yes, in everyone who wants to live a godly life, your identity to be known. A godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and themselves be deceived. If we've ever needed discernment, we need it now. Ever. Because... I mean, we live in the age, we live in an age, that was an age, but we also live in an age of deception. What you see on social media, what you see is not exactly always what the true story is. We have to operate in the way that the Holy Spirit is working on us. Verse 14, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know that they are true, for you know that you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. And they have given you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. Discernment. Right? The Word of God shows us what is wrong when we are, when, when we, we are wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. The NIV, I want to read that verse. In the NIV, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. And last verse, verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Amen? God is using your circumstance to prepare you and equip you. Remember that, that gray area, what we're known by, or, or how, how in those areas we really need the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Because I believe there are a lot of areas that people in our, in our world, that are, even in our church, they're starting to say, well, I kind of I think this might be okay. Listen, how I many we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us and direct us in our life. Because there's a lot of, lot of deception. And I'm, I'm concerned sometimes that we are not discipling enough in this generation. Amen? How I many of the average person goes to church once every six weeks? Come on, how I many know that's not enough? We, that does, that's not just church, but that's Bible study, church, anything like that. How I many we need each other? The Bible 
so many times says one anothering or one another. We need one another. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. If Pastor John and Rachel were here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. There we go. I got to tell him that we're keeping that going. Hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) We need one another. We need the Holy Spirit just to, to saturate our life, to speak to us. See, because how I many there are some things that are very black and white, right? The Bible says flee from sexual impurity. Those things are very black and white to me. Uh, you know, Pastor, is it okay if I go to a strip club? Black and white. Obvious. I am going to say no. <laughs> Pastor, you know, there's a lot of things. Obviously, there's something. And if you're if you if you if you're born again, and you're still struggling with some of those areas, Holy Spirit, get a hold of that person. Amen. There's some things that we just need spiritual discernment. That that sometimes I feel like people just struggle with the same things again and again, and it's just because maybe they need more of the Word in their life. Hallelujah. This 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 right here is where discernment comes from. You get in this Bible, you get in your word, you will not have those gray areas anymore. The Holy Spirit will just put a check in your heart and you'll know this is not right. This is not what, what, I, what I need to say. These are the words that I choose not to use anymore. Amen. I want to just be honest with you. When I was 18 and 19, and this is with my kids in the house, with my parents in the house. So I've just got to tell you, but there was a time where I, th- I started, my language started changing a little bit and I caught myself. And I said, this is not my identity. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to take that one to the bank all day. And, and so my identity, I started feeling like I had to, had to change my identity. And, and my word selection changed. And I don't have to spell it out very clearly to let you know what that means, right? But as a Christian, I felt like God was saying that you need to live a higher standard. Come on, somebody. And as a, as a believer, my, I, I wanted to be known by somebody who doesn't have to follow the crowd. And so the Holy Spirit began to work in me, gave me that discernment. I didn't need 10 people to tell me it's wrong. I just needed the Holy Spirit to get into my life fully through the Word of God. And I was led by the Holy Spirit. Come on, we, sometimes we just, we think we have to wait for every person to tell me it's wrong. 10 people told me it's wrong, so I guess it's wrong. Uh, there's one person by the name of the, the Lord Jesus Christ who will tell you through his spirit that when something is wrong, we need a saturation because our identity, what we are known for, is through him and him alone. Amen? I want to say hallelujah. But okay. See, because the Holy Spirit will never work in contrary to God's word. My wife likes to say, oh, she likes to say this a lot. She says, you know, the Holy Spirit never interrupts himself. <laughs> she says that all the time. I'll hear somebody give, I've been in places where someone will give a word. And as they are giving a word, somebody else starts talking louder and over them. So basically the Holy Spirit is interrupting the Holy Spirit to get, come on somebody. And so we know that when, the Holy Spirit will never work contrary to God's word. If it's not found in God's word, it's not God's word. So when we need to find discernment, we find it in the Holy Scripture. Amen? In the Holy Scripture. There's just so much good stuff here that Paul was really getting across to Timothy. But just warning him, being very careful that in the last days there will be a great deal of deception. 
How many of the enemy doesn't just walk around with like a pitchfork and a and and a, and, and and a big red cape? He's very deceiving. He wants to put people in a state almost like a trance. You just kind of go through life. You just kind of get through the day. But church, God is saying it's it's the hour to waken. His spirit is moving across this earth. There. Are, even today, there will be millions of people coming to Christ or redeeming their lives to Christ. And it's, it's happening. And the enemy is just upset. We need the Holy Spirit to, to move in us and get a grasp of God's word. Galatians 1.3 says this. Galatians, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Genesis 1.3. You'll know it for sure. You already probably know it. It says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. <laughs> It's not a coincidence that the first time, the first time the universe heard the, hears the word of God, it's God's voice. It was not to say, let there be peace or let there be understanding. It was let there be light because faith requires light. Faith requires light. Why do I say this? Because we live in dark times. Amen. But we are the light of the world because of Jesus Christ in us. He is the light of the world and we reflect his glory. And, and maybe some would argue that we live in the darkest hour. I, I, I don't know about that if I read the scriptures, but we are in a dark hour. You, we read it right there in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that a lot of the, all the things that I read, you could probably say are true. Right? People love money. <laughs> People are proud. People, all these things are true that we do live in a dark hour. Uh, uh, by sin, immorality, spiritual apathy, um, racism, pornography. Come on, these are all, this is an epidemic. How many think these are almost an epidemic? We don't hear about that on the news, but that's an epidemic. I mean, it's staggering to me some of the things that I discover that people are doing in their private life. Lord, I pray that our private life, our, our public life would reflect our private life, amen? That we would surrender our private life to you, God. All these things, materialism, discord, um, I wrote down a few others, division, strife, hate, jealousy, unbelief. I mean, yes, we live in dark times, but in the midst, hallelujah, in the midst of the darkness stems the following truth. Jesus still lives. He still saves. He still heals. He still delivers. He still does these things. And believe it or not, Jesus is coming back again. In the midst of the darkest hour, Jesus is going to do the greatest thing ever in the history of mankind. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, says the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Ben. (laughs) He's got my back. I like it. And so I am intrigued. When I, I, I got to be honest with you, I have seen many of you in this room. Been here for almost 10 years, was our first Sunday, almost 10 years ago. I, I am so blessed and so intrigued. I've seen many of you. I, I could go through the room right now. I wish I could spend the time to go through. I have seen some of you in this room. Your identity in Christ has changed so wonderfully. It, 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 to me, that just defines why we do what we do while we come to church. I, there's, there's people in this room that when I first met you, your identity was not exactly what your identity is now. But, but, but that's okay. How I many know God is a God that transforms? 
And so, so there are many of you in this room, you, you, your identity has been changing. You used to be known as just a person who, who worried, but now you're a person who has faith. You used to be known as a person who, who just kind of sat quietly, but now you're a person who gets out into the, into the mix. And you just you say, God, I want to be used by you. And, and I'm blessed to say that. And chapter, I want to go to chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and read these verses here, and, and this will all connect. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. This is the Sermon on the Mount. What I like to, to think about in this message, Jesus is giving this sermon really to his disciples, but a crowd gathers. And so he's giving this sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. How I many know oh, that's a, amazing scriptures? You, 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 we have the Beatitudes in there. We, we have... We have uh, Matthew 6.33 in there. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You have verses like don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Who can add a single hour to their life by worrying? Amen? I mean, there's some amazing scriptures in there about fasting and praying. But in the midst of this, Jesus preaches this message uh, to his disciples. But yet he knew that there was many other people listening in the crowd that day. So this sermon had a dual application. And, and I want to say that this morning, whenever we read the word of God, you, you might, maybe you've been here and you've been saved for 40, 50, 60 years. Maybe somebody in this room, you've just come to know Jesus Christ in the last few years. Maybe possibly there's somebody in this room that you're still kind of on the fence and you're not really sure about this whole Jesus thing, all in or all not thing. And maybe you're, but help me know when God's word is spoken, it can have dual teaching. Amen? Even Sometimes even the Pharisees did, were puzzled, but the children understood. So Jesus knew that, and this sermon given to the disciples was also intended for a broader audience. And that's where he begins, and he begins to share this in verse 13. It says this, you are the salt of the earth. You're known. But if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it become seasoned? Is it then good for nothing? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the salt of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your life show shine. Let your identity be known by this, right? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. That is what we are to be known as. We are the salt. We are the light of the earth, church. I don't want to be just known as a church that has good music or good preaching or good fellowship. I want to be known as a church that the Spirit of God moves. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I can't wait to talk to Pastor John. I said, they're, they're remembering. They're remembering, brother. Let me share this in a very expedited manner if I can. When light stands next to darkness, light always wins. Amen. See, we live in some dark times, but light always wins. <laughs> and, and so we are reminded about the power of this and that we are the light of the world a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So who are we? That's the question that's been asked for thousands of years. Who are we? 
Like, who are you? Ask yourself. Not what people think, but like, ask you, what, what is the theme of your life? What are you known for? Like, really, are, what are you known for? And, and I pray that you can say something that reflects God. I don't want to just be known as a guy who, who can hit a golf ball. How I many know oh, that's not going to really measure up when I stand before God? Why should I let you into my kingdom? Because I can hit a 280-yard drive. How <laughs> I many know oh, that's all good? There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to be known as somebody who loves Jesus with all of his heart. Maybe we didn't have it all. Maybe you were never as famous as you wanted to be or any of those things. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Our job is to make Jesus famous in the earth, not to make ourselves famous on the earth. Our job is not to store up and lay up all of the riches that we've ever earned. Our job is to get what we have, give it back to God, and watch him multiply it. That is what we are. We cannot be light until we discover who we are. We cannot be light until we discover, until we live out what we say. Church, I, uh, my heart and my passion is constantly that we will discover who we are. I, I believe if you're at our business meeting, you begin to kind of see us unfolding what we believe that, that God is letting us know what our mission is at this church. Amen. How many know the three points? What is our mission? Hallelujah. They're getting it, Lord. When? Build, equip. That's who we are. Amen. Our job is to win the lost. Our, our job is to win. Our job is to, to build one another up, to fellowship, to disciple, to grow, and also to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That is who we are as a church. Okay, now think about your own life. What is your mission? What's your mission statement? If I were to ask every person in this room, and I would love to do it, maybe we should do it sometime, to write down what is your mission statement of life? What is your purpose? Right? That's a different story. And I pray that you could give it some thought and say, yes, I can do that. I can give you my mission statement. And, and I believe that most of you, hopefully all of you can do that because we have to know what defines us. We are not defined by our past. Amen. Amen. We are not defined by our circumstances and praise God. We are not defined by what others say about us. We are defined by what Christ says about us. Christ alone defines you and I. Christ defines us. Matter of fact, you and I were not defined by what surrounds us. We're defined by God's spirit inside us. That's what defines us. We're not defined by our circumstances. We are defined by his covenant. Amen. Thank you for that covenant. We are, we are not defined by fear or worry. Some of you in this room, we need to proclaim that right now. I am not defined by fear or worry, but I am defined by faith and belief in Christ alone. Amen. And listen, we have to repeat these things all the time. I am not defined by this. I am not defined by worry. I am not defined by circumstances. I am not defined by poverty. I am not defined by negativity. And we say, God, I am defined by Christ and Christ alone and who you say I am. I'm not defined by my failures, but I am defined by his forgiveness. Amen. See, but the church, sometimes we are defined by these things because the enemy says you are known by your failures. 
You're known by these things, but when we begin to rise up and say, in Christ alone, I am defined, amen? I am not defined by my past. I am not defined by my failures. I am defined by the blood of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness, amen? Amen. So when we begin to worship God, when we begin to really grow in who we are, that will come out. Christ defines us. We're not even defined by what we can do for God. We're not. We're defined by what God already did for us through his son, Jesus Christ. We're defined by the cross. We're defined by the empty tomb. We're defined by the upper room where they sought after God for 10 days, for the spirit, for 10 days. Amen. They, they were there in one accord and they were waiting and they were defined by that moment. We're defined by his blood. And you're defined by what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Amen. Remember, God does not call the perfect. He calls the willing. God does not call those who are perfect. He doesn't call the one that has it all. I'm thankful for that because probably most of this room would be disqualified if he just called those who had it all. He calls those who are willing to say, I surrender all. I surrender all. I love to read about some of the historical figures who have lived out a life of faith before us and even most recently, Billy Graham and, and others. And, and we could go on and on on that list. And, 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 and as I read about their life and you read about their private life, you'll find that they were known, they were identified by people who surrendered all to Jesus Christ. If you do any research and study on Billy Graham, you will not read that he, that he lived a life of, of, of luxury all the time. Matter of fact, he lived a life of prayer all the time. He spent time on his knees before God. What we saw is what we saw on TV. But how many know, for all the hours we saw on TV, there are many, many more hours that he was on his knees before God. Amen? And so what we see, what the world needs to see in the church, church, what they see is if we are on our knees praying before God, if we are in the trenches, if we are doing the work, that's what they will see. It will come out. They will be known by that. Amen. And so, God, I thank you for, for empowering us, reminding us that our identity is in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. God did not give us a spirit of fear. I love that. But he gave us a, of, of, of love and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind. To have a sound mind, we have, to, we have to be transformed and be known by Christ. Would you stand with me? I, I absolutely love, 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 a great comeback story. I mean, like a good comeback story. Yeah, I mean, I could be watching a documentary on an athlete, an actor, a musician, an artist, and, and I love it. And it's always cool. It's just like, wow, this is somebody who, who, who was down, and then and for some reason, life pushed them down, and then they got up, and they, they over... And I love a comeback story. I tend to watch a lot of shows about, I don't know, comeback stories, like reality shows. Um, this is kind of interesting. I'm just going to say this. I, I watched this show called My 600-Pound Life. Anybody ever seen that show? Okay. We watch it, and my kids would know that I have a tendency to do something. It's really strange, but within the first three minutes, I can usually 
Is this true? Drew knows. I just do it. I do it all the time. I, I can, within the first two or three minutes, I can usually say, this person's going to be successful or this person's not. I'm not always right, but I can tell within a couple minutes. How many know what I'm talking about? Because if the episode starts with a lot of complaining and, and excuses, I'm like, this is going to be ugly. But if the person is like, I can do this, I mean, if it's hard, but you can tell right away. And, and I love to see the comeback. I, I, I love to see somebody go through that transformation. I don't know what it is. I just, I'm, I'm intrigued by it. And I love to see people just conquer and overcome. There's this guy the other day, and, you know, like he lost, this is crazy. He lost like 300 pounds in one year. I mean, and I was, I'm like rooting for him. I don't even know him. His name is Justin. I remember that. He's redhead, Justin. I love a comeback. You know, God loves comebacks. We serve a God who cheers for us. You serve a God who's in your corner. I mean, you thought Rocky Balboa had a great coach. You remember that guy? God is in your corner. Cheering for you. And so, our identity is in him our identity is not in our failures our identity is not what we can do how cool we are our identity is in Christ and so when I put my identity in Christ listen that's that's everything I mean it's if people can leave it or take it that's who I am that's who you are and I know who I am and I know you know who you are and so as we go through life and as we as we 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 go through life struggles and circumstances I just want you to understand that God is for you he's not against you and he's he loves to come back and many of us in this room have seen, witnessed, heard or even been through a comeback ourselves some of you right now are in the process of, of a comeback there's somebody in this room you feel like you just got knocked down and, and the ref's doing the eight count and he, it's getting up there and you feel like you're knocked out but guess what God's right there and he's, he's going to pick you up thank you Lord you know in, in spite of what we see on CNN MSNBC ABC Fox News all of it all, uh, despite what we see on the news there is a spirit more powerful than anything any news report could ever 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 explain the most powerful spirit on the face of the earth is still the almighty God he has the power to change everything in an instant it's God encounters Maybe now, maybe at this day, maybe tomorrow, maybe sometime this week, you're going to have a, an encounter with God, with the Holy Spirit, and, and your discernment is going to stop you right now, right then and there, and it's going to say, it's time to change course. It's time. Lord, I pray that we would never stop searching after you, searching, going after, living for you in our place of business in our place of social interaction, in our place of fun, that everything that we do, the bottom line is we are known as men and women of God. Whether it's at school, 
at work. Our identity is you. So, Father, I pray that we would catch ourselves. Lord, would you, would you just remind us of those areas that may be a little bit gray for some, God, and discerning spirit, that we would be led by that discerning spirit, by your spirit, Lord, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for this day. Yeah.